Welcome to WTIP's Outdoor News Podcast. I'm Callie Hawkins. I'm Joe Fredericks. How's it going, Joe? Well, this August, middle of August, it's going pretty good. It is going pretty good. Yeah. And this week has been spectacular. <laughs> this is like the best week of weather It's finally summer. Ever in recorded history. <laughs> and it's August. <laughs> <laughs> right. Much different, Callie, as we're going to hear in today's episode, than last August, last time this year exactly, when we look at August 15th, that's the day that the Greenwood Fire in Lake County near Isabella, right on the edge of the Boundary Waters, started with a lightning strike August 15th. I remember that weekend. It happens to be my birthday weekend, oh. uh, so it's pretty easy <laughs> to remember that. But Matthew Baxley and I were in the Boundary Waters, and uh, we were doing some fishing. It was August 14th. It was so smoky. It was like 90 degrees and smoky, just this kind of dreadful day. But we were out there, you know, doing some fishing and stuff. And it was the next day the Greenwood fire started. And so it was wow. already smoky from these Canadian wildfires, hot. It's kind of miserable. It's such a different vibe and feel this summer. Yeah, it absolutely is. I remember, so last time I was out in Colorado and there was a bunch of wildfires and then I came back to Minnesota and there was wildfires and it just was like a summer of smoke, I would say, kind of all over. So Right, yeah. yeah. So today we're going to revisit, we're going to take a trip to the Greenwood Fire. We're going to talk with some professionals who are looking at regrowth and kind of studying the effects of the fire, learning about it and from it and so forth. I know, Kelly, you've been doing a number of interviews leading up to this as well. Yeah, I spoke with Kyle Johnson. He's with the Minnesota Biological Survey just a few weeks ago, and he is um, an expert on butterflies and moths. And so he's looking at potentially doing some surveys up there. I would say next spring or summer is kind of what he said of looking at the Greenwood Fire and just the regrowth and biodiversity and what he can find for the after impacts of, of a fire. Right. And today we're going to hear from some people who have been studying the trees, how the trees were that are dead, how they died, how the severity impacted them and different types of trees and regrowth. That's mm-hmm. really what a lot of the research now is going to be about regrowth. So uh, with that in mind, let's just take a trip over to the Greenwood Fire. The Greenwood Fire burned nearly 27,000 acres in northeastern Minnesota following a summer of heat, drought, and smoky skies. The fire started last summer on August 15th and led, in part, to the complete closure of the nearby Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. Along the way, the fire destroyed more than a dozen buildings and led to the evacuation of hundreds of homes near Isabella and Highway 1 in Lake County. WTIP reported extensively on the wildfire while it was burning in August and September last year. Since that time, we've shared reports about the fire and its aftermath, including a visit to the burn area during the winter months. Just days before the one-year anniversary of the Greenwood fire, I traveled back to the fire's location to see what the forest looked like. Blackened trees still lined an area near Lake County Highway 2, not far from the intersection of Highway 1 heading toward Ely. Here's more information about the Greenwood Fire one year later. Well, at the McDougal Lake Campground. This is very close to, if not in a main area where the Greenwood Fire burned in 2021. Pretty much one year later, middle of August, over here and a lot of blackened trees, but the campground itself, and speaking with some officials from the Forest Service before heading over today, said the McDougal Lake campground was open and it's looking good in there and it's not being used all that much. Seems to be the case. It's a Friday afternoon and 
there's just a few people here looks like some campers some one tent but pretty quiet around this beautiful campground there's some burn trees but it looks like they did a lot to keep this area protected as well one thing that uh, not finding right away are many berries in the burn area was just across Lake County Highway 2 a few moments ago a half hour ago and I was at the exact spot that Lane Johnson forest ecologist for the University of Minnesota Cloquet Forestry Center and I were at in January looking at the burn area thinking oh this is definitely the heart of the Greenwood fire and there might be some berries but not the case yet let's touch base with somebody who knows a bit more about this see just what's going on with the regrowth of the Greenwood fire Laura Ruling is a researcher in the Department of Forest Resources at the University of Minnesota. She and some of her colleagues have been visiting the site of the Greenwood Fire in the spring and summer of 2022. Laura joins us now on WTIP. Thank you, Laura, for being with us today. Thanks, Joe. It's great to be here. All right. Well, as you heard, I was over at the site of the Greenwood Fire now in August in, in 2022, and I was looking for a lot of things, just what the forest floor looked like and what the the feel of the whole burn area was. I was over there in the winter with Lane Johnson from the University of Minnesota Forestry Center in Cloquet, and it was, you know, buried in snow and it was below zero and a whole other scene, essentially, even though it looked probably the same underneath the, all that snow. Uh, so one thing that might stand out to some of the people who listen to WTIP and are familiar with things like the Ham Lake Fire that, oh, blueberries and berries are going to be all over the forest floor where the Greenwood fire was, wasn't the case when I was over there in August this summer. Why do you think that might be the case, Laura? All right, that's a great question, Joe. Um, so one of those things that those blueberries can really depend on is how severe the burn is. So depending on where you were at the Greenwood fire, there's been, there's a range of burn severity from really low area, really low burn severity that didn't burn a lot to really high burn severity and the amount of time that it takes those blueberries and other plants to come back after the fire really depends on how severe the burn area was. Um, so, and then the other thing is that this is kind of a different ecosystem than what was it, where the Ham Lake fire burned. So depending on where you were, may or may not have been great blueberry habitat to start with, but Give it some time. I think there's going to be some blueberries up there. Um, also, if you're you're talking about other wild foods that might be up there, my group actually found a few morels up there this year, and I'm sure there's some more because we weren't even looking for them. So there there might be some some other wild foods to find up there. Okay, exciting. And uh, as somebody who goes fishing quite a bit, and you know, you got to respect the, the, you can say, oh yeah, the fish were biting and so forth, but you don't always want to give away your secret spot. So I won't ask exactly where those uh, morel mushrooms were, at least not while we're on the air here today anyway. Uh, so, all right, I'm keeping that yeah. one to myself. <laughs> all right, okay, very good. Well, Laura, I, I know that you and, as I said, you and your research team have been up uh, in Lake County at the site of the Greenwood Fire a number of times uh, this spring and now summer 2022. What have you been doing? What type of work have you been doing up there? So my group, uh, my group is working in the lowland conifer forest. So we're interested in those forests that are mostly dominated by black spruce and tamarack, tamarack, of which there's quite a bit 
in this area that burned in the in the Greenwood fire. And so what we the questions that we're asking kind of center around how those forests specifically responded to this fire. So we are looking at areas across that burn severity gradient that I was talking about, starting with areas that didn't burn at all, but are kind of within the same area as the fire and up to areas that had really high burn severity where a lot of the, the peat, which is a very carbon rich forest floor in that area, a lot of the peat burned off and a lot of the ground floor vegetation burned off. So we are characterizing what the overstory trees look like, how many are alive, how many are dead, what species they were, and then we're characterizing the understory plants as well. So we are putting in these permanent plots and kind of characterizing what understory, what grasses, what herbs, what shrubs are there right now. And then the plan is for those to be called long-term monitoring sites. So we'll go, be able to go back to those in maybe a few years and then five years and 10 years and maybe even 20 years and start to see how those different areas and how those different burn severities respond to that fire. And so we're actually working in collaboration with some other groups. Um, there's a group out of the Forest Service that's looking at the soil side of that project as well. And so they're trying to quantify how much carbon was lost when those peat when those peatlands burned. So that peat that's on the forest floor holds a lot of carbon. And one of the things that their, their group is interested in is kind of how much carbon was released during that fire. And what are you learning? Yeah, so it's pretty preliminary still. We've just been, just been up there collecting the data so far, and I really haven't done much to analyze it yet. Um, and a lot of the answers will come out in a few years, kind of looking at how those sites change. But we definitely do see a strong difference within that burn severity. And so we're seeing a lot more vegetation already starting to come back in the areas that just had a lower, moderate burn severity, whereas those areas that have higher burn severity come back a lot slower. And we think most of them will come back and a lot of the vegetation is still there or there's a seed source for it, but they'll just res respond quite a bit slower. Hmm. A tamarack tree is a beautiful tree that maybe people might not even recognize. It just kind of doesn't have that fame of a white or red pine or some of the other trees up here. But uh, tamarack tree is a beautiful site and particularly in the fall and so forth when the needles change. What did you learn, what are you learning about tamarack trees and the Greenwood fire? It's kind of early to say. We're not seeing a ton of those regenerating yet, but we might not really expect that yet. They they often come into an area by via aerial seeding, and so the seeds would likely blow in from, from kind of some of those areas that didn't burn, that do have, that still have those live standing trees. And so we're not seeing much for tamarack regeneration yet, but we think that they will come. Okay. Uh, how about just working in the burn area? Uh, I mean, when I've been over there, these two times that I've been there, it can be a bit spooky in a sense, walking through a, a burn area like that, both in the sense of thinking about the fact that wildfire roared through this specific spot where I'm standing. You can touch some of the charred trees and you get black like soot on your hands and so forth. What's it been like working in this all spring and summer? Yeah, it's been really interesting. So this is the first time that I've really done a lot of field work in a burned area. And it's really, it's really different. Um, it's interesting to see a lot of the areas where most of the overstory trees 
are dead. You're kind of walking into what you expect to be these low wet forests, but all the overstory trees are dead. So the ground is actually getting a lot more sunlight and is drying out a lot faster too. So those areas are not nearly as like cool and dark as you would, as they would be before the fire. Um, it's interesting right now to think about walking through a lot of those areas that burn is actually pretty easy because the most of the understory vegetation has been burned off. It's pretty clear. Um, but we're just starting to see actually a lot of aspen coming back up. And so aspen can come back up pretty quickly after a fire because it can come in via aerial seeds from an area that didn't burn, or it can just regenerate new shoots from the, the living roots that are still in the ground. And so aspen comes back pretty quick and we're just starting to see those aspen come back in a lot of the more upland spots. And so there may be like six to 20 inches high or something like that. So it's still pretty easy to walk through right now, but thinking about what a young aspen forest looks like in a few years, some of those areas might are gonna start to look a lot different very, very quickly. So, but yeah, it's been really interesting to see a lot of different plants that you don't necessarily see or see in as much abundance because they're more fire adapted. So um, it's been very, very cool to see all those different areas and see them looking a lot different than they did a year or just over a year ago. Mm -hmm. So if somebody was to ask you, Laura, who hears this interview and you explain what the research is that you're doing, but if they were to then say, well, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, I heard your interview on WTIP, but why are you doing it? What's the, what's the significance? What's the, the motivation to do this research? That's a good question. So there's lots of reasons that this is helpful. Um, so we do know that these big fires like the Greenwood fire are and are likely to continue to become more common in northern Minnesota and kind of in this larger Great Lakes area. And so this is something that we want to know. How do these forests respond? These forests are, especially the wetland forests, are important for clean water, for their habitat, for a lot of specific animals and specific plants that are kind of only found in there. So we want to know, are they regenerating? Are they coming back to what we expect? Are they coming back to some other species or species mix that we didn't expect? So um, yeah, this has a lot of broader context for knowing how these areas respond to fire in general. You mentioned uh, wildlife. Have you been seeing any evidence of, of moose activity around in the burn area? Or does that, like the blueberries, take a little bit longer for them to find that to be a desirable habitat? So we actually saw some fresh moose tracks up there two weeks ago, going right through kind of the middle of this, burn, this burned area. We were probably a mile from any of the roads and weren't really expecting it in this kind of this low mucky area, which makes sense. And yep, saw some really fresh moose tracks going through there. So I can say there's at least one moose in there. <laughs> nice. Okay. The anniversary of the Greenwood fire is coming up on August 15th was that day that uh, most uh, organizations of forest service and so forth list as the day that it started by a lightning strike, August 15th. We'll look forward to maybe as your research continues or when you get uh, some reports compiled and finished in public. Uh, we'd love to hear more about it. So please keep us in the loop. Uh, today we're speaking with Laura Ruling. She is a researcher in the Department of Forest Resources at the University of Minnesota. Uh, thanks so much, Laura. Thank you, Joe. It's been great to be here. 
Well, Joe, that was really interesting. Thank mm. you for uh, for diving in and learning more about Greenwood Fire. Yeah, as I said in the piece, Kelly, I've been over there twice now. Once in the winter in January, I met this uh, researcher over there, and it was just this kind of the contrast of the black trees with the white snow was pretty surreal. And then this summer to see all the green, the new growth that's coming up with that black, there's such a contrasting color. A pretty wild place, but uh, as we heard, there's some moose already moving into that That's area. That's good, good sign. Yeah. yeah, so more stories to come. I think we're just going to probably be reporting on this in these things, like you said, with the butterfly research in 2023, probably for years to come, and when the berries start to pop up over in that area and so forth. So Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a lot more surveys and a lot more research going on in the next coming years, too. So yeah, it'll be interesting right. to follow up on. Right. Makes us appreciate these beautiful days that we've had here in August 2022. And as always, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. See you, Callie. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>